Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. You're just joining us for this first time. We're taking a look at Jesus in the Old Testament. Because so many times we, we look at the Bible and we see the Old Testament and we see the New Testament and we think it's two different stories. But it's actually one incredible story about a God who loves us and loves us so much that at the end, he comes to be with those that he created to give his life as a final sacrifice so that we can be back in relationship with him. And that, that Savior has a name and his name is Jesus. And so every story in the Old Testament from the New Testament whispers his name. And so we're going to talk about someone today um, that is, is probably one of the most pivotal characters in Scripture. And we're going to take a look at, at, at King David. Um, sorry, guys. Uh, king David was the second king of Israel. Um, and Scripture dedicates 66 chapters in the Old Testament to the life of David, and is really one of my favorite heroes of the faith and heroes in scripture to read because you see all of his struggles, you see um, his sin, you see his insecurities, you see his, his worries, but scripture still calls him a man after God's own heart. Um, and he's linked to Christ probably as much or more than any other figure that we read in scripture. As a matter of fact, the very first line in the New Testament that starts the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the gospel, which is the story of Jesus. The very first line in Matthew, Matthew 1.1, it says, this is a record of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. So not only do we see David in the Old Testament foreshadowing what Jesus is going to do in our life, but Jesus is also in the family tree, in the lineage of David as well. And then when Jesus arrives in Jerusalem for the final time, right before his crucifixion in Matthew 21, the people are, are and, and next week is Palm Sunday, and they're set, like we will celebrate what's taking place here as Jesus is, is entering Jerusalem for the last time. All the people are shouting, Hosanna, praise be to God, and they're laying down palms and they're laying down their cloaks as Jesus is, is entering into Jerusalem as the king. And this is what they say, praise God for the son of David, blessing to the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And so we see David's life mirror Jesus in a lot of ways, but then we also see Jesus coming from the lineage, from the family tree and ancestry of David. And one of the stories that we're going to look at today is, is probably one that is talked about the most and preached about the most. Um, it's the story of David and Goliath. And I want you to understand who, who David was. David was the second king. The first king was this guy named Saul. And a lot of times people say Saul was the people's kings. David was um, God's king. But actually God picked Saul as well. 
but Saul did not live in accordance and to obedience into what God was wanting him to do. And so there comes a point where, where God tells Samuel, this prophet, he says, I have removed my anointing from Saul. And I have removed and ripped the kingdom from him this day. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go um, and, and I want you to anoint another king. And so he tells Samuel, this prophet, to go to this man named Jesse. And so he goes to Jesse and he says, look, I'm going to make a sacrifice and I want us to do this together. You're going to be with me and I'm going to anoint one of your sons. And so... So Jesse brings his sons, and he brings his oldest son before Samuel, and Samuel sees Jesse's oldest son, and he's tall, he's handsome, he's muscular, and Samuel thinks this must be the next king because he looks like he's the man. And God speaks to him and says, that's not him. And so the story goes, and, and Samuel goes through each one of Jesse's sons thinking, this has got to be the guy. This has got to be the guy. And it gets to the last one that is there, and Samuel is like, Do you, is there anybody else? Because God is still telling Samuel that it's going to be one of Jesse's sons, but he's seen them all. And Jesse's like, well, I've got, I've got the youngest son. He's out watching the sheep. And Samuel tells him to go get David, who's out watching the sheep. And when David shows up, God tells Samuel, this is the one that I want you to anoint. And what God tells Samuel in this moment is like, look, men, guys, like men and women, we look at what? The outside. But God said, I look at the heart. And so there was something about the heart of David that God was choosing. And so we see this in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13. It says, so as David stood there among his brothers, now think about this, you're the youngest son and all the brothers are passed over. So he's standing there with his brothers and it says, Samuel took a flask of olive oil. He had brought and anointed David with the oil. And it says, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David that day. So David is anointed king, but he doesn't go to the palace because we think like a lot of times when, when God gives us a vision, God gives us a call, that it's going to happen right then. David didn't go to the palace. Guess where he went? Back to the field. I was talking with someone before service. A lot of time how God works is, is it slowly, surely, and then suddenly. It's like we get a vision. God gives us a call. We feel like he's called us to do something. And it seems like it's going to take forever. Remember Abraham from the second week. He was told he was gonna have a son. It took 25 years. And so David didn't immediately go to the palace. He went back to the field to watch his father's sheep. And then at some point, Saul calls him into the palace and he starts playing the harp, but he's still not king. And we're gonna look at this story of David and Goliath. Um, and Saul is the king of Israel at this time. And the rival enemy is the Philistines. It's like when you read the Old Testament, it seems like the Israelites are always fighting the Philistines. And at this one point in, in Samuel chapter 17, the Philistines, they gather an army and they come close to where the Israelites are camped out. And, 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 and they, they kind of hold up on top of this hill. And Saul realizes it, so he gathers the Israel army, and he brings them to another hill. And so there's this valley of Allah, of, of, of Allah that's, that, that's between these two armies. And so they're standing there, and they're facing off. And the Philistines had a secret weapon that Saul didn't know about. Um, they had this champion warrior. 
and his name was Goliath. If you've been to Sunday school or vacation Bible school or seen Veggie Tales, you've heard this story, but maybe not quite like this. And so Goliath is this nine-foot giant, and it says that his armor, just the breastplate, weighs 125 pounds. It says that his shin guards are made of bronze and are heavy too, so his total body armor probably outweighs some of us in this room, and his spear is just massive, and the tip of his spear weighs 15 pounds. And it's one thing to hold 15 pounds close to your body, but it's another thing when you're holding 15 pounds on the end of a stick. Like, like you have to counterbalance it. And so Goliath is this giant of a man and a champion of a warrior, which means he's been very successful at, 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 at what he does. And so we, we see um, Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 8 through 11. It says Goliath would do this. Goliath stood, so he would come out every day, and he would shout and taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you were only the servants of Saul. And we'll come back to that statement in a moment. He says, choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then I will be, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, then you will be our slaves. Verse 10, I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now, look at this. This is when Saul, who is supposed to be the king of Israel, who is supposed to be the commander, who is supposed to be trusting God, who is supposed to be believing God, and has been victorious multiple times up to this point because of God's faithfulness, it says that he was terrified. And I believe that because of his terror, that his men became terrified. And so one day David, so this, this goes on for a number of days, and one day David is instructed by his dad, Jesse. He says, hey, look, go check on your brothers, because his brothers were there as well. His brothers were on the front line. He says, look, go check on your brothers and, and, and take some groceries, take some cheese, take some sandwiches. And so David probably gets a little excited because he gets to leave the field, and he gets to go see some action. And when he gets there, um, something incredible is taking place. In verse 20, it's not on your screen, but it says that the army of Israel, that they were leaving camp in the morning with shouts and battle cries. That they were leaving camp that morning with the intention of going to war, and they were shouting, excited that they were gonna be victorious that day. And so when we went camping or, or hiking last week in, in Georgia um, at, at Blue Ridge, it's a gorgeous place. And we went to this fall and falls and um, we hiked for like two hours and it was just gorgeous. We came back and there were all these soldiers walking across the street um, and they were going up an embankment. And it come to find out, it was actually like ranger training. So there were 75 or so army rangers that were training. And it was, I was just in awe because I've never seen um, our military in training. And it was real quiet. And I was like, can I take a picture? Can I take a video? And are they going to arrest me if I do this? So, so I was like on the DL, just like taking a video so they wouldn't notice. And so I think about David being in this moment and he shows up to the camp and and. You know, he's probably a little jealous. Like, look, I'm anointed to be the next king, but I'm watching sheep and my brothers are out here at battle. 
And so he gets to witness everyone excited leaving to go out to battle. And then the giant comes out like he's done every morning and every evening and he begins to taunt. And this is what happens. As soon as the Israelite army heard him and they saw him, they began to run away in fright. And so now what is a moment of excitement turns into a moment of disappointment because he's not gonna see a battle. Instead, he sees his men and his brothers running for life. And so David is like, who is this guy? Why, Why are you running? He's just an uncircumcised Philistine. He's just a pagan Philistine. And he makes this statement anyway. Why is he allowed to defy the armies of the living God? He says, give me a shot. I want a shot at him. What's, what's the reward? And so he, he asks what the reward is. Why is nobody going out? And like, have you not seen this guy? He's nine feet tall. He's a giant. He kills people with his bare hands. He's like, and David's like, I'll do it. What's the reward? Well, the reward is this, all right? The reward is you get to marry the king's daughter and your family's debt is paid. You no longer have to pay taxes. And so David is like, I'll do this. I can do this. Saul hears about it. He calls David and, and, and says, are you sure that you can do this? And David says, look, I've been protecting my father's sheep. I've killed a lion with my bare hands. I've killed a bear with a club. This Philistine is nothing to me. And besides, he has defied the armies of the living God. So here's what happened. Saul tried to put his armor on him. He's like, look, if you're gonna go to battle, then you need to wear some armor. And so Saul went to put his armor, his personality, his um, persona on David. And David wasn't used to that. And so he took it off. He says, I'm going to do what I've always done. And so David took his sling and he took his staff. And on his way down, he picked up five smooth stones. Goliath taunts him. And he says this. He says, am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? Come out and meet me, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And on the screen will be the next several verses in 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 47. Um, David replied to the Philistine. He says, you come at me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord of heaven's army, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you. I will cut off your head and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescued his people but not with a sword and a spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give it to us. And so the story goes, David takes off running, he pulls a, a stone out of his pouch and he puts it in the sling. And I don't know if it's this kind of slingshot or this kind of sling. And so he slings the stone. And it says that the stone went through the air and it sunk into Goliath's forehead and he fell flat on his face. And then David went and he pulled the sword. He said he, trumped, he triumphed over the Philistines with only a sling and a stone for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled out Goliath's sword from its sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. So David runs over, and in this, like a little guy cutting off a nine-foot giant's head, it probably wasn't just a little whack. There was probably some sawing involved. It was probably not, like, like we make it like 
real picture perfect, but it was probably really, really, really gruesome. But here's what I want us to learn from this. It's like, what are you saying, Steve? So many times we read this, and we probably heard this preached, that, that, that we're supposed to be David, that we're supposed to go out and we're supposed to fight our Goliaths. And, and there, there are some similarities between David and Jesus in this. David is a shepherd. Jesus, in John 10, 10, he says that I am the good shepherd. David was sent by his father to the battlefield. Jesus was sent by his father to rescue us. And this is cool. Both received a bride, the bride for Christ in defeating the giant is the church, that we are the bride of Christ. And those of us who come into that family, guess what, guys? Our debt is paid. We no longer have to pay the sin tax of death. Um, both used the weapon of their enemy to shame their enemy. David used Goliath's sword. Jesus, scripture says that he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross in the same way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. And listen, guys, it says he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. See, what the enemy meant to use to kill Jesus, Jesus used to defeat the enemy and to shame them. See, what Goliath brought to the battlefield, David used to kill him and to behead and to shame him. And so we read this, that, that, that we are to be David, that we're to go out and we are to face our giants, that we are to stand up for God. And there is truth in that. But guys, there is a greater truth in this story that I want us to understand is that, that, that Jesus is our David. That the, the greatest giant that you and I have to face is sin and death, and Jesus has defeated that giant. And so we are not David in the story. We are actually the children of Israel in the story. And how many times have we gotten up and, 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 and we've gotten ready to face our giant, to overcome our obstacle, to face whatever, and we leave our camp, we leave our house, we, we, we leave our comfort zone with shouts and war cries only to see our giant again, to hear our giant again and go back running away. Since we've been told we should face and slay our giants like David, Goliath said this, he says, you are servants of Saul. In the beginning of the story, when, when Goliath comes out and he's taunting the army, he's saying, you are servants of Saul. What does David say? We are the army of the most high God. See, our enemy is always gonna be shouting the opposite of what our savior says. The enemy is always, from the very beginning, he's trying to steal us of our heavenly identity. Goliath is saying, you are just servants of Saul, but David declares that we are the armies of the living God. So how many times have we gotten up and we've ran out after our giant with shouts and battle cries only to find ourselves running back? When the enemy defies you, guys, he's not just defying you, but he's also defying our God. And every week I've kind of been ending with the Jesus Storybook Bible. And how 
this so simply and plainly puts what our Savior has done. We'll pick up about halfway through. It says, now you remember that David was the youngest son of Jesse. Well, his brothers were soldiers in the army. And one day when David brought his brothers their lunch, he saw Goliath and he saw how scared everyone was. And he says, don't be afraid. I'll fight for you. You're only a little shepherd boy, said the king. And Goliath is a great soldier. How are you gonna fight him? And David says, God will help me. So the king gave David his royal armor to wear, but it was too heavy and too big and David couldn't even walk in. And he says, I don't, I don't need this. Instead, David picked out five smooth stones. One, two, three, four, five. And he took his slingshot and he walked towards Goliath. Goliath walked towards David. Thud, 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 you, Goliath peered down. You're just a small boy. He says, I'm little, but my God is big. Goliath laughed an even terrible laughter than usual. With just one swing of his giant sword, Goliath could finish off the boy. But David kept going. It isn't how strong you are, how many swords and spears you have that will save you. It is God who saves you. This is God's battle, and God always wins his battles. David put a stone in his sling swung it around and let it go. The little stone flew like a bullet through the air, struck Goliath right between the eyes. Goliath stopped. He stumbled, he staggered, and he crashed. When the Philistines saw Goliath was dead, they ran away, and when God's people saw them running away, they cheered, God had saved his people. David was a hero. Says many years later, David sent his people another young hero to fight for them and to save them. But this hero would fight the greatest battle the world has ever known. Guys, we are not David in the story. Jesus is our David. And he has already defeated the greatest giant in our life. Jesus is our giant slayer who has stepped into our valley. So for 40 days, this giant defied the children of Israel. And for some of you, you've been facing a giant, you've been facing a sin, you've been facing whatever obstacle is in front of you, maybe 40 days, maybe four months, maybe four years, heck, maybe even 40 years. And you're wondering, when is this giant ever going to shut up? When am I ever going to destroy this giant? I want you guys to, to hear this this morning. It says, our victory is not in throwing stones, but trusting in Christ. Our victory is not in throwing stones, but in trusting in Christ. And that looks different. Guys, I can't tell you how many times, and even still, I find myself disappointed in what I feel like I'm able to do and accomplish in overcoming things and getting victory over things and in pursuing things. But it's because I'm the one trying to throw stones and try. When I'm not called to do that, we're called to trust in what Christ has already done. And here's, here's the promise in Romans 8, chapter, 37, or chapter 8, verse 37. And, and, and Paul makes this statement. He says, can, can we ever be removed from God's love? Is there anything that we could experience, any trouble that we experience? And Romans 8, 37 says this. It says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. 
And so here's how, how you and I, that yes, there are things that we have to do, there are disciplines that we have to walk out, but the greatest victory that we have is not in striving, but it's in surrendering. It's in letting go of what you're trying to fix and allow God to take it and do with it what he wants to. That causes us to have to walk in obedience and follow his leading and follow his guiding and his direction. But there's rest in that. We can come to a place and trust him like David did and realize that, that our David has already came. He has already slayed the greatest giant. It says, Scripture says that, that, oh, death, where is your sting? That when we walk in forgiveness and a new life in Christ, that final penalty is paid. And if you're here today, I want you to receive that and accept that that there's nothing that you have to do except say yes. And with every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment. I wanna pray for two things. First, if you're here today and you say, Stephen, I've got a giant. that I just keep facing. It's been 40 days, it's been four months, maybe even four years, and I feel like I make a little progress and I, I trust God for a season, I run out to fight and it gets harder and louder than what I thought and I find myself retreating and running back. And if that's you, I wanna pray for you. Would you just lift your hand? here today and you need to accept the victory that Jesus has already won for you that the sin tax has already been paid the debt has already been paid because of his victory of the greatest giant of, of, of sin and death this simply starts by saying Jesus I give you my life it's not all that you're going to say but it's the start of a lifelong conversation and it's not gonna make everything perfect, but it, 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 it sets you on a new trajectory for your life. It says that all the old things are gone and all things are made new. And if that's you today and say, Jesus, I give you my life, would you lift your hand? Just as a sign of surrender. Awesome, awesome. All right, look up here at me, guys. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray. We're gonna pray over you that are that are facing giants. We're gonna pray over you that are coming into relationship with Jesus. That today will be the first day of the rest of your life. And that the enemy will try to come out and shout and defy you and say, you're not who God says you are. But we're gonna speak like David and says, how dare you defy the army of the Lord. So let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence in this place today. Not that we have to ever ask you to come down, to be here, that you are always here, that you are waiting on us to recognize your presence, to accept your presence, to move into it. Father, we thank you that you are our David that you have defeated the greatest enemy. 
God, I pray for anyone in this room that, that may feel like they're struggling and they're striving. They're throwing stones, they're throwing javelins, they're fighting as, as hard as they can and whatever they're facing. Father, I pray they would just trust and rest in you and knowing that the battle is already won. God, for those in this room that have raised their hand, and maybe if they didn't, they've lifted their hearts, God, that, that acknowledge they need a Savior in you today. God, I pray that you would just wrap your arms of love and compassion and grace and mercy around them. God, speak that they are your child, that they are forgiven, that they have a purpose, God. God, show them the way that you have for them. Strengthen them. So, Father, we thank you for what you've done in this house and in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, everyone says amen, amen.